today. I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want you to know you were missed last week, but I woke up early on Sunday like I normally do and was praying for you guys. I was praying for Pastor Josh, the worship team, but I was praying for you. And uh, it's so important to me every week that, that you hear the truth of God's word. This is not a game to me, and this is not a job to me. What we do here is about life change for people. I recognize every week, I'm over here praying this morning for you all, I recognize every week that there are people here that some of you are in one of the toughest situations in your entire life. Some of you today are looking for answers. There's somebody in the room that may be at a tipping point today about what do I do? Do I, do I walk away from God? Do I draw close? Some of you are in crisis situations in your life. I know that. And so when we step up here, and I know Josh feels the same way that I do, Pastor Josh, when we step in, our goal is to allow God to speak through us to you. So it's not about us. It's not about the worship team. It's not about any things we do. Our goal every week is that you have an encounter with God because he's the only one that can change anything. So if you're here today and that's you, I want you to understand that God wants to speak to you. And the reason we're doing this series called Walking with Giants is that we're, we're spending time with people that have gone before us. The Bible talks about in Hebrews 12.1 that we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And Paul draws this amazing illustration that talks about a race. We, we've all heard of the race of life. Well, Paul actually alludes to this race. So I want you to imagine that you're in this huge stadium and there's a track, and you're out on this stadium, and you're running your race of life. And in the stands are all the believers, all the Christians, all those that have gone before, all those Bible greats, all the Bible characters and heroes are up there, and everybody is watching you run. The Bible actually talks about God's plan for our life in Jeremiah 29, 11, that he has a good plan for us to give us a future and a hope. So God's got you in this race that you're going. And John Maxwell, the author, is the one that came up with this idea of what about in our race of life, what if for one lap a Bible character could come down and kind of impart to you some wisdom? That they would come down for one lap and say, all right, I'm here for you, Bobby, and we're going to go one track, and I'm going to download what I think are the most important things to you in this one little bit of time that we have. Very important, isn't it? It's a neat idea. And today we're going to be hearing from a guy named Jacob. Now, Jacob is in the Old Testament. Jacob is actually the grandson of Abraham. So there's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob is a very interesting person. I don't know that I can do him justice in one service because you could do a lot of sermons about Jacob. But Jacob is very unique. And, and you know, one of the things that I love about our Bible, guys, is that it doesn't pull any punches. It calls a spade a spade. If something's bad, it says it's bad. And it tells you all the good, bad, and ugly that goes on in the situations with different people. And Jacob, in many ways, was a mess. Uh, Jacob was actually a twin. His brother Esau was born first. And this will give you an idea uh, a little bit about uh, Jacob. Esau comes out of the womb first. And the Bible tells us that es uh, Jacob reaches out of the womb and grabs his brother's ankle, tries to pull him back in, trying to get ahead. Before he was even born, Jacob was trying to get ahead in life. Jacob's name actually means trickster or deceiver. 
He, he was constantly trying to manipulate situations around him to work out in his favor. And, and Jacob is unique because there are times, if you read the Bible story, and I encourage you to do that because obviously I can't cover but a portion today. If you go back and look at Jason, Jacob's life, you can see over and over where, where Jacob would have these intersections with God and he would kind of draw close to God for a moment, but then he would peel off and go the different direction. How many of you can relate to that? I know I've been that way for a lot of my life. As I was reading the story of Jacob in preparation for the message, uh, as I was reading about him, I can relate a lot to Jacob. Because see, Jacob was a little bit of a control freak. Jacob liked things to go his way. Um, I, I was thinking back through, through some of my personality characteristics. I, I'm a person that likes to plan things. I, I would go through and, and as I was getting ready for a business meeting back in the day, I would actually plan through the business meeting and I would role play what I would say and what they would say. And if they said this, I would do this. So I would walk into these meetings really prepared for just about any situation that came up. Well, there's some positives to that. But there are negatives associated with that too. Because people like Jacob and me can manipulate things to make things work out the way they want them to be. And if you're submitted to God, God can use that as a gift. But if you're walking like Jacob and I have done in a lot of our lives, you're manipulating situations to work out the way you want them to. And Jacob was that kind of guy. And so Jacob is an interesting character today. So, so here's who I'm talking to specifically today. If you're here and you're one of those people that likes to control things around you, if you like to make sure everything works out, y'all, some of you are already grinning at me. If you're one of those people that likes to make sure everything works out exactly the way you want it to, then this message is for you today. Because we're going to see how, how God had to have an intersection with Jacob and what happened there. So Jacob's name meant he was a deceiver or trickster. Jacob wanted to be in control. And the question today is, what about you? Are you like Jacob in that way? Let me tell you something, and here's the truth. There can only be one boss in your life. And no, guys, I'm not talking about your wife. <laughs> but there can only be one person that it's ultimately the boss in your life. There was a book written many years ago that said, God is my co-pilot. And I would just like to say to you today, if God is your co-pilot, you're in the wrong seat. Because what that book kind of tells me, and I'm sure that's not what the author intended, but what that book really tells me is that, hey, I'm going through life and God is sitting over here, but I'm driving. I'm kind of going where I want to go. And every once in a while, if I need God's help, I'll pull him in, let him drive for a little bit. But as soon as he's done driving, I'm back in the driver's seat. And that's what a lot of us do. We tend to want to reach out God, to God when we're in a crisis. We tend to want to reach out to God when things are hard, but for the rest of the time, we like being in control, and that's just being honest. Jacob was very much that way. He wanted God's blessing, but he, he kind of wanted it on his terms. And so as we're walking around with Jacob, I think the first thing that Jacob would probably say to us as he walked out of the stands and got on the track with us to take this lap is he would say this, when your life isn't turning out the way you had hoped, let God have control of your life. And I would say the same thing to you today. 
If you're being honest with yourself, if you look at your life right now and it's not really going the way you'd hoped it for, hoped it would be going, then maybe you need to let God have control of your life. Because I would argue, my friends, that if it's going that way, you're probably the one in the driver's seat. Amen? I didn't get one amen. (laughs) So I'm going to assume that means you understand what I'm saying. (laughs) So if we're with Jacob and we start our little track, we're walking around right here. Jacob kind of comes up and you look over at him and say, what do you want to talk to me? I think the first thing that Jacob might say to you is that when God is in control of your life, the first blank is this, you will get a new strength. You will get a new strength. Now let me tell you a little bit about why he would say that. Jacob's older brother was Esau. Jacob did something very interesting. Remember, he's a trickster and a deceiver. He actually tricked his brother out of his birthright or his inheritance. He tricked his brother out of his older brother. He tricked him out of his inheritance. He actually tricked his father into blessing him and and, and getting a, a, a patriarchal blessing. So he was sneaking around, again, manipulating situations to get what he wanted. And what happened is over time, it doesn't work out. And let me just tell you something for yourself. If that's the kind of person that you are, ultimately, that's not going to work out the way you want it to. There's going to come a point where you can't run anymore. And that's where we find Jacob today. He's at a place called Peniel, P-E-N-I-E-L. And and what Jacob has found out is that his brother Esau is coming with a bunch of armed guys. And Jacob is concerned that Esau is going to kill him. It's payback time. Not beat him up. Kill him till he dies. And so Jacob is really concerned about this. And so Jacob's at this camp. So what he decides to do is split his family and all his possessions in half. He sends one side of the family one way and one side of the family the other way. The thought process is if Esau catches up, he may get half of them, but he won't get the other half. But Esau, or excuse me, Jacob does not go with them. He stays in the camp by himself. And I told you earlier If you look at Jacob's life, you see multiple situations over and over again where he would have these little encounters with God, but he would never really fully submit to God. Some of you can look back in your life, and there were times that maybe you had an encounter with God, and you kind of went a little bit in with God, but not all the way in. And and Jacob is that way. But, but I want you to understand something. This is an important truth. This is if you only hear the one thing I say today part. God does not cause crisis in your life, but he will allow crisis in your life sometimes to get your attention. And Jacob can't run anymore. Jacob's back is against the wall. It's all coming down on him now, and it's time for him to face the piper. And here comes Esau with a group of armed men, and Jacob's got a problem. But something very interesting happens to Jacob while he's in this tent. The Bible tells us that a man shows up, but what it's really saying is not a man. It's talking about a supernatural presence. And the Bible doesn't delineate between whether it's an angel, the actual presence of God, or Jesus. Some theologians believe it was Jesus, but regardless... God's presence came in a supernatural form to Jacob. And here's what's interesting. Jacob and God's presence wrestle. You're like, what in the world? 
No, we're going to read it here in a second, but I want to give you what's going on here. Jacob has an encounter with God, and you noticed, I've read to you recently, Isaiah and other people, where God would say, come, let us reason. God would say, hey, come on, let's sit down and talk about it. That's not how he has to deal with Jacob. He has to wrestle him physically. I looked up the word wrestle. It means to pin down. And so God shows up in a physical form to physically pin Jacob down. And the Bible tells us that Jacob in this supernatural presence wrestle all night long until the dawn starts to come. And the Bible tells us that Jacob was not giving in. And he was actually going to continue fighting and keep fighting God's spiritual presence. I would argue today that some of you guys are doing the exact same thing. You're fighting with God. You, you negotiate with God. You, you come into an encounter with God, but you're really not willing to surrender. See, when you're wrestling, you know, you've seen it go into the mat and people would tap out on the mat. They would, they would fight as long as they could, but they would finally get to the place where they'd say, hey, enough's enough, and they would tap out. Jacob was unwilling to physically tap out. Do you get an idea how hard-headed and controlling this guy is? He's fighting with an angel. So here's what happens. When the angel, the presence of God, recognizes that Jacob's not going to get up, give up, the Bible says he touches his hip and dislocates his hip. Now he's got his attention. Jacob stops. So let's pick up the story right there and see what the scripture says. Genesis 32, 24 through 25 This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of his socket. I'm going to make a comment right now. I want you to hear this. Running your own life is exhausting. Being your own boss is exhausting. And there are some of you in here right now that know exactly what I'm talking about. You've run your own life and you've been your own boss for a long time. And the truth is you wake up tired and you go to sleep tired. Because you're not designed to be your own boss. God has created you for a purpose and that purpose is relationship with him and submission to him. But some of you are so hard-headed and strong-willed like Jacob that you'd rather wrestle God all night long than give in to him. And it takes a situation like we see here where there's a crisis where Jacob can't wrestle anymore. And now he's got to stop and listen. Listen to what Jesus says about this in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 29. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Next statement, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, And you will find rest for your souls. Now, check this out. Many of you have probably seen a history channel. Maybe some of you grew up in a farming environment. And you would see two animals yoked together. And and you would see these animals yoked together. And there would be two of them. Well, back in this time, they would take this big wooden yoke. And they would place it over both the animals' heads. And these animals would pull. It was actually over their chest as well. They would pull so it would keep them in tandem with each other. Now, if you look and study out this word yoke... There's two terms for this word yoke. The first term is the uh, generic Walmart yoke. 
This yoke is one that's just a yoke. It's not custom designed for anything. It simply just fits over the animal. doesn't matter what size they are. There's no customization to it. It slips over them. And what would happen to some of these animals if the yoke was a poor fit is after a day work of farming, they would be bruised and even bloody. Because this yoke wasn't fit for them, it will rub against them and actually physically tear their body up. That's the first word for yoke. The second word for yoke is the word that Jesus uses here specifically. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. And that word yoke here means a customized yoke. Your customized yoke. What that means is this is that God has a specific plan for your life. He's got a perfect plan for you. And if you will surrender to him and walk with him, he will customize and put this customized yoke on you so it's not a burden. And I can tell you, there's a lot of things I don't know, but I do know about this. If you will surrender your life to God, the the work gets a little bit easier. You know, when I come in here to, to speak to you guys every week, this is not a burden to me. This is the, one of the joys of my life. Why? Because it's not me doing it. It's Jesus' yoke on me, and I'm just walking. But I have been at times in my life when I was driving, and I put myself in a bad spot, and it was a bad fit. Anybody ever had a shoe on that was too small? What about one that was too big? You look like a clown. You know what I'm talking about? You know, or, or wearing some clothes that don't fit you. It's just not right, you know, and, and it doesn't fit, and, and, it, and you're uncomfortable. Well, that's what it's like when you're walking in your life where you're in control. It doesn't work right because that's not how it's intended to work. Jesus says, come to me, and I'm going to put you in the spot where it's custom fit for you. And I would say to some of you, those of you that are going to bed tired and waking up tired because you're not walking in tandem with God, it's time to stop. And Jacob would tell you the exact same thing. He was fighting God, but he got to the place where he had to stop. I want to encourage you in that today. Stop fighting God. So, first of all, Jacob got new strength, but the strength didn't come from him. It came from God. Here's the other thing that Jacob would tell you. If you'll let God be in control, you'll get a new identity. You'll get a new identity. Genesis 32 says this. What is your name? The man or the angel asked. Uh, Jacob replied, my name is Jacob. And the man said, you will no longer be Jacob. From now on, you will be called Israel. This is where the name Israel comes from. And here's what the name, in case you're wondering, most of you probably don't know this. The word Israel means prince of God. He changed his name from Jacob, the deceiver, trickster, to Israel, prince of God. You know, we talked about in the series that we did previously, the series on adoption, how that when we come into God's family, we are adopted into God's family, you are actually given spiritually, you have a new name. You now take on God's last name. You're part of his family. And so Jacob literally sees that in the natural here is that when he has his encounter with God and he finally submits to God, God gives him a new name. And his new name is Israel, and we still call God's people Israel today. 
prince of God. That's amazing. In John 1, 42, uh, Andrew brought his brother uh, Cephas, Peter, to Jesus. His name was Simon at the time. And, and he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at, at Simon and said, You are Simon, son of, jo- son of John. You will now be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter, which is the rock. Jesus renamed Simon Peter, and he said, Upon you I will build my church. When we have an encounter with God, it changes our identity. This next point is very interesting. When God is in control, you'll get a new joy. Now, I want to explain something to you today. There is a big difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is circumstantial. You can get up in the morning, and it can be raining, and now you can be in a bad mood. Your mood can change with your environment, your circumstances, and that's how happiness is. Happiness is fleeting. How many of you have ever been having a happy day, and somebody came along and ruined it? I did. It's called a giant tomato in the middle of the road. Okay? But here's the truth. Jesus said in the world, you're going to have tribulation. There's going to be giant tomatoes in the middle of your road. The question is, what do you do with them after you hit them? Because if your happiness is based on your circumstances, that means every time something happens to you, your happiness is going to be fleeting. But joy is different. See, joy is permanent. And joy doesn't have anything to do with your circumstances. Let me give you the definition of joy. Listen to this. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in the control of all the details of my life. And it's the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. See, that doesn't change. That doesn't change. That doesn't mean when things happen to you sometimes you don't emotionally get upset. But, but that emotion is subject to your joy. Because if you have a relationship with God, if you are a child of God, no matter what happens to you, his promises are greater than your situation. This is how you can watch people. And trust me, I've watched people that I know walk through situations where they were dealing with uh, chronic diseases or challenges or, or the loss of life, and they still stay close to the Lord. Why? Because He is their joy. It's not based on their circumstances. And when you know that God is in control of your life, it doesn't matter what happens to you. I have thought through this. Really, I have thought through this. No matter what happens to me or anyone around me, Based on my relationship with God, I will have joy. Why? Because I know ultimately it's going to be all right. Because Jesus died for me and adopted me into his family. And I'm now part of his family. And he's promised me some things. And he's going to fulfill his word. That is way better than happiness, which changes in a moment. So I would encourage you today because, see, Jacob found that. Remember, Jacob was constantly manipulating situations. Why? Because he was looking for happiness. And here's the truth. He never could manipulate his way into it. Your best is never going to be close to what God has for you. But the only way you receive God's joy and God's best is when you truly surrender to him, guys. 
That's the only way. And Jacob found that out. Well, now we've come around and we're coming up to the the end of our laps with Jacob. And we're going to talk about three things here, very, very important. Look on your notes and let's look at the first one. I can imagine looking over at Jacob saying, all right, do you have any last words of encouragement here? I believe this is what he would say. His first words would be this, brokenness precedes breakthrough. Brokenness precedes breakthrough. I want to say something right now that's not to make you just feel better if you're going through a hard situation, if you're facing a crisis, but I do want you to know this. Unfortunately for most of us, that are in this human body, it takes crisis for us to turn to God. And I know in this room right now, there are people that when you've cried out the most to God is when you're in the biggest trouble. You know what I'm talking about? Let's be honest about that. And Jacob was right there. It was in his brokenness. It was in his brokenness that he found breakthrough to the next level. The question is how you deal with that. You know, it's been said that life is really not so much what happens to you, but how you respond to it. It's not so much what happens to you, but how you respond to it. You know, it's funny, when we hit the tomato the other night, um, there was not much going on in Jacksonville, Texas at 1030 at night. And so the three police officers on duty all showed up. and, And we all stood around and looked at this tomato and The guys knew I was a police officer. I'd identified myself. And we're all standing around looking at this 650-pound tomato trying to figure out how we're going to get it out of the highway. And the officer looked over at me and he said, Well, this is the first time I've ever uh, been involved in a tomato accident. (laughs) I said, Yep, me too. And we started laughing. Because you have two choices. And I want you to understand something today. I'm not mad at the kids that did that. I say kids. It might have been some of y'all. I don't know. But, you know, I could be frustrated about that. Why? Why live that way? Why allow other people to influence how you're going to live your life? And some of you have allowed that to happen. Other people dictate how you feel. But sometimes it's only when we encounter these crisis situations that we get to choose how we're going to respond. And Jacob had to do that. He, encounter, he had an encounter with God, and he had to finally quit fighting God. And I would say to you today, if you're fighting God, stop. You're wasting your time. You really are wasting your time. You know, I had an interesting conversation uh, you know, again, you look at situations and how they go on. Some of you will appreciate this. We had to spend an extra day with my mom and dad waiting for the insurance company to get everything sorted out and, and this, that, and the other thing. And, and I got to spend a full day with my dad that I didn't anticipate. And it was awesome. And I got to talk to him about the church and life. And, you know, recently we lost my uncle just a few months ago. And he's only two years older than my dad. And We were talking about some of those different things, and it was really an amazing time. So I could have been upset about the tomato, or I could get a day with my dad that I'll never get back again. How are you going to approach it? What are you going to do? Tomatoes happen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They do. (laughs) 
Uh, I've been the recipient of many fun jokes and pictures. Thank you, Rod, and others who have sent me. Rod send me, sends me a picture of a deformed tomato that has two horns come out of the top of it. I appreciated that. Uh, Steve Dravenstott stopped me this morning in between services. He said, I was hoping I'd get to see you. He said, a family of tomatoes was walking across the road. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, he said, yeah. He said, the dad, the mom, and the baby tomato. And he said, they're walking across the road, and the, the little bitty tomato was last. And, and, and the dad went back and said, went back to him and stomped on him and said, catch up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of y'all get that tomorrow, and it'll be funny when you get that. How are you going to respond when situations happen to you? And sometimes it's these crises. And so I would say to you, I really mean this from the bottom of my heart. Some of you that are in crisis right now, you need to recognize that God's allowing this because he loves you and he's trying to get your attention. Are you going to keep fighting him? Or are you going to finally surrender to him and play catch up? (laughs) Two more things left. Jacob would say this to us. You must lose yourself to find yourself. You must lose yourself to find yourself. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 in the Message Bible says this. This is Jesus talking. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, Jesus says, listen, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. (laughs) Jesus is in control, guys. Jesus is either Lord of all or Lord of nothing. He doesn't share power that way. You have to decide. Mark 8, 35, the New Living Translation says this. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Stop fighting God. Here's the final point. I can imagine, this is in my mind's eye. We're walking up to the lap, the end of the lap, and Jacob begins to walk off to go get back up in the stands. And guess who's coming next week? Jesus. And by the way, I didn't find this with Maxwell, so this is going to be a Chris thing. But I'm going to spend some time praying and researching this week, and I would want to know what Jesus would walk around the lap and say to me. So that's next week. But Jacob would turn around to you and say, one more thing. One more thing. When you find yourself on God's terms, you find true fulfillment. When you find yourself on God's terms, you you find true fulfillment. I want to read this next section of scripture out of the Message Bible. It's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. This is offered in modern day English. Y'all check this out. I love this. You ready? Just just listen or read it for what it is. This is Paul talking to the church at Rome. He says, so here's what I want you to do. It's God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. 
You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and watch this, quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops you well-formed and mature in you. When you surrender to God, which is what Jacob ultimately did, it changes everything. You know, the last few weeks I've watched at our altars and I've seen people come because I really think I've kind of come to this conclusion is that people are tired. People are tired of having what they have, of life being what they've created it to be. They're tired of running from God. The world is shaky right now, and it really is. And people are looking for something they can hold on to and trust. And I want you to understand something today. I believe part of the crisis that we're in as a country and in the world is that people need to look and go, we need some help and we need God. We do. And and as we start and go into prayer here in a moment, I really want you to be honest with yourself and ask yourself that question. Jesus died for you. Are you fighting him? Because if you want your life to continue like it's going or get worse, then you can keep running things. Or maybe it's time to let God do it his way. Last story. One day I was able to go out and go fishing with my brother out in the bay. And, and Kennedy caught a fish. And so I was helping her get it in and get it unhooked and all that. Well, I have my line out in the water. And this is the ocean, guys. Okay, so there's, we caught a shark, you know. I mean, but this one time I threw this line out and I've got my line in the water. Well, I set my pole down. To help Kennedy. Guess what happened? Yep. Uh, Sure enough, something comes up and takes my my line and the pole goes off into the water. Now, my my brother um, has no children. He has two dogs that are his children. So since my brother doesn't have any kids in college, he buys whatever he wants. And he has this really cool boat. And he has all these fishing rods. He spent more money on this fishing equipment than, I mean, it's crazy. And so he informed me as we went out to the ocean. He said, now look, he's holding up these rods. This one's $900 and this one's $600 and this, seriously. And so I've got this rod there and I see it go off in the water. And you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking I'm going after that bad boy because I'm not paying him $600 for a fishing pole. Because I'd go buy him a cane pole and put a string on it. You know what I'm talking about? So, so this rod shoots off into the water. And I, I'm like a ninja, y'all. I mean, for real. I'm like a big, I know it's deceptive, but I'm like this ninja. <laughs> Just be careful, okay? And, and I'm right here, and all of a sudden this rod goes, pew, off in the ocean. And I like jump, for real, like jump. I went, you know. But I mean, I jump. It felt like a jump to me. And I reached out, and I'm literally hanging out into the ocean, and I grabbed this rod as soon as it hits the water. I didn't catch the fish. It was gone. I don't even know what was on there, but, you know. But I was like, and my dad and my brother are like, hey, you know, they're clapping and all that, and I'm thankful. And, and, and here's the deal. Some of you, Jesus says, cast your cares on me 
And he says, because I care for you. And some of you cast your cares like a fishing pole to Jesus. And then you reel it back. And then it gets hard. And you cast your cares. And then you reel it back. What Jesus is saying is let the rod go. Some of you need to quit fighting God and you need to cast that stuff overboard and you need to let it go and let him carry your burden. Stop fighting him. Okay? For those of you that are fishermen and are now stressed out because I just let the rod go, God will get you another rod. (laughs) Okay? Let it go. Don't forget that. Stop casting your problems on him and then reeling them back in. Cast them and then pitch the rod and say, it's yours and go away and leave it with him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the simplicity of your word. Lord, I thank you that you love us so much and and that you care about us. And and Father, I thank you that you've given us this, this Bible, this amazing book that that doesn't pull any punches. It just shows us exactly that these are people just like we are, that make decisions just like we do. And your love and your mercy is so great. Father, I'm amazed that you would even care enough to Jacob for, for Jacob to come wrestle with him. And Lord, I know right now there are people in this room that are fighting you. And if they're honest with themselves, their life is not going like they want it to. And just like I did the other day, they're casting things out, but they're drawing them back and they need to let it go. If you're here today, nobody looking around, if you're here today and that's you, you've been, you've been fighting God, you, you've surrendered a little bit, but then you take it back, you, you don't really go all in with him. Let me tell you, the only ultimate joy and blessing you're going to receive in life is when you truly give him everything. Remember this. He's in control of everything or he's in control of nothing in your life. It's time to let him have the driver's seat. So if you're here today and that's you, and say, Pastor, that's me. I've been running my own life and and I know God, but I'm I'm tired, or maybe you don't know him at all, and and you've just just been running, but but you want to stop then just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. Hands all over the place. Thank you. You can put your hands down. People just being honest. And, and guys, I want you to know, and I said this during communion, but this is the truth. God wants your honesty. You're not fooling him. You're only kidding yourself. Just be honest with him. So, so here's what I want to do. For those of you that raised your hand, or maybe there's some of you that didn't raise your hand, that needed to, I just want you to step out and come down to the front and I just want to pray with you for a moment. Just as an act of faith, just step out and come down to the front. Just stand out here in front of me and I'm going to pray with you. Man, no embarrassment here. This isn't about that. This is about us making a decision to, to follow God and surrender and do things his way. Amen. If I could have some of the leaders come down and stand behind people, I think it's important that we do that.
plant pew and Monica come over and just lay hands on people, Patty. And, uh, and I just want people to have somebody, and thank you, Sue. Ken? And, and just lay hands on people. This is important. Let me tell you why we do this, why I do this. You know, being a Christian and, and going through what we go through in life can be tough if you try to do it by yourself. Life is hard, but Jesus never intended us to go through life alone. That's why you have a church family. That's why we dedicated the babies this morning. This is when we come together and say, look, your weight may be a little heavy, but if I help you carry it, it's not as heavy. And if a bunch of us help you carry it, you can't feel it at all sometimes. And that's what a good church family does. So the reason we're down here laying hands on people and praying with them is that helping them understand that they're not carrying this burden by themselves. Okay? Let's all pray this together, including the people that are here on the front, but also you out there. Lord Jesus, Jesus. today, Today. I surrender everything everything. to you. you. I'm tired tired. of driving. driving. I'm giving you control. Forgive me, be with me, lead me, bless my life, give me joy, in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to understand today too, sometimes it's not so much the words you say, it's the attitude of your heart. And some of you know what I mean. Some of you have been in those times when you prayed and all you could say was Jesus. That's all right. Some of you have prayed sometimes and you couldn't even get a word out. God knows what's going on in your heart. Amen. And when you're faithful and step up, God will begin to work. Amen. Let's all stand this morning. Isn't God good? Amen. I think I'm going to coin a saying, when life gives you tomatoes, make salsa, right? That's it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we can come together as a family. Lord, I thank you for what you've done in lives today. Father, I thank you for your presence. Lord, just bless us as we go out into a world that's hurting and lost. Lord, help us to see people with your eyes. Help us to see people that are hurting. And Lord, help us just to be your hands and feet to them. Lord, bless us as we go. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. You guys have a great week. We'll see you this coming week. Are you sure that these people down there?